Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. It's another edition of the Jimmy Johnson Fangirl Podcast, also known as Pizza at the Pagoda. My name is Chris Graham. Thank you for listening. I'm not sure why you do. Joined tonight by Ben Carswell, James Watson, Jason Owens, and Mike McCollin. Uh, we'll start things off as we always do. Gentlemen, what are we drinking tonight? We'll start with you, Ben. Uh, I have a Bitburger Rattler or Bitburg Rattler, whatever it's called. You know, the German stuff. Bitburger. Okay. Rattler. Interesting Rattler. choice. So, watered down beer with lemonade. Got it. No, it's lemonaded <laughs> down beer. There's no water. And Bitburger is already garbage German beer. So you're saying it's sort of like Jimmy Johnson's IndyCar career. <laughs> Damn. Water down and... Oh, no. Damn. In, in that occasionally it has a perfect moment where it, it succeeds, but usually it's not very good. Oh, we're Damn. three minutes in. No, I think that Rattlers have a very good... This is going to sound like a degenerate comment, and I want you to hear me out. It's a good breakfast beer. <laughs> because it's very low alcohol content. It's like 2% or 2.5% alcohol. Why would it's you very drink a Rattler low. when you can just have a Bloody Mary? It's because a I'm because I'm not I'm not bougie like you. I didn't just go to Italy. <laughs> I'm not like, "Ooh, look at my pasta that I just made." Ooh. Wow. Fancy, all right? A minute for if this it, to go. I didn't. I didn't make any pasta. Let's just set the record clear. Like I, I'm didn't not. Didn't you take? No, oh, you took a pizza making class in Italy. Yes, a pizza making class. That, not, that's that's different. I did not deign to make pasta. Look, if it doesn't come in a can, I'm not drinking. All right, we're gonna. I'm gonna start calling you SpaghettiO from now on. <laughs> uh oh, SpaghettiO. That's what we should say if oh. something ever happens to Jimmy. Uh oh, spaghetti. Oh, allegedly. Oh wow. We're, we're already off the rails. <laughs> yes. Mike, what uh, are you James, drinking? James, what are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking vitamin water, the acai blueberry pomegranate flavor, otherwise known as triple X. Okay. Uh, James, I have a question. Have you ever had Swedish fish? Of course I have. Do you think that tastes like Swedish fish? You know, I've never thought about that, but now that I think about it, you might be onto something. Uh-huh. You know what my go-to Indy 500 race day uh, bagged confection is? Swedish fish. Yeah, but you gotta soak them for about a week in Fireball before. The race. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> wow. Is that what I, you're drinking right no, now? I want that. I Jason, think I would try drinking? one. Uh, what am I drinking? Because Air Canada is uh, the worst national flag carrier airline in the world. Uh, we got back on Saturday and just got our bags today, which is Tuesday. So we opened one of the bottles of wine we brought back from Italy. So I have a nice 2016 Brunello di Montalcino that I'm nice uh mike what are you sipping on 
I'm just getting over being sick, so Gatorade Zero, blue flavor. Whatever the hell flavor this is, it's blue. It's blue flavor. It's uh, soaked in the carcass of Cookie Monster. <laughs> yeah, it's it tastes like blue. All you taste <laughs> is chemicals. Uh, see, I have sweet tea, but I have an excuse. Because sitting next to the sweet tea is a Brooklotic Islay Barley 2012. A beautiful Ooh. scotch. Peaty, nice. malty. Mm. All right. Let's move along here. Since we've talked already, it is the Jimmy Johnson Fangirl Podcast Show. Ben, take a bow. <laughs> what do you know? Jimmy Johnson is good on ovals. What a shocker. Who could have guessed? Yes. Um, oh, I don't have anything else to say. He was your <laughs> pick early. to win. You are a, a, an avowed Jimmy Johnson fan. I am. That was an impressive run, though. We saw Jimmy making passes up in the PJ1 stuff that was supposed to be death and dismemberment. Yeah, it was a good run. Um, he made a lot of good passes. He battled Scott Dixon at Texas, which is, I don't know what else you can really ask for. I mean, it looked like Pinsky kind of had the car of the day with McLaughlin and were in New Garden, obviously the winner. They looked like they kind of had something that I don't think the Ganassi did. Just that extra half a tenth that they had. Um, but yeah, he ran up with all the other Ganassi cars. That's the point that I made in the five takeaways that you can read on the National Racing Network. Is that he didn't run, this wasn't a good race by Jimmy Johnson standards. Where we look at it and we say, oh, he ran up and you know, he finished 15th. That's a really good race for him. It's no, this was a good race for any driver in that Ganassi. He finished P6, uh, one position ahead of Alex Plo, uh, amidst all the other Ganassi cars. And that's exactly what you would expect of a driver in a Ganassi car. So this is not only just a good Jimmy Johnson race, it's a good race for any driver. Um, I think that's encouraging that he can run up with the other cars and truly get, I don't know the, I don't know the most out of his machinery, but what he should be getting out of his machinery. Well, and uh, Jason, I think that's an interesting question because getting the most out of what you have went to Kyle Kirkwood. Not Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy did what was expected of the Ganassi cars at Texas. Kyle Kirkwood, on the other hand, God, was Francesco. insane. After having a great race. I'm telling you, I, like, I know you guys laughed at me for saying Kirkwood had a chance to win that race. I legit think he had a top five in the potentially in the works before he got Devlin into the wall like Sato did. Like, that irritated the hell out of me. Should be yeah. in the car that Devlin DiFrancesco is wasting space in. Yeah, literally wasting space in. And and racking up Andretti's crash damage. That's less money that Michael could spend on his F1 team. 
at that age, ready needed the help in the first place. Uh, let's well, see. Should we damage your batteries? <laughs> we I mean, have clips. Anvil, it has to hit one. All right. Of do we do we derail this and have the De Francesco discussion right now? Or do we have it later? Uh, well, I'll leave that up I'd, to Chris. I'd say wait. We need something to keep the fine folks at home entertained and uh, reason for them to stay through the entire show. Yeah. So okay. Let's hit the rest of the picks and let's focus okay. on Kirkwood, not De Francesco. Yes. Um, Even though he permeates every part of the race. So far, two good picks out of our winners last week. Ben taking Jimmy Johnson, Jason taking Kyle Kirkwood, who was impressive until what we will discuss later. Uh, James, you took Alex Pillow, who managed to finish behind Jimmy Johnson. Well, if someone didn't steal my usual pick, I would have ended up better, but someone had to be a jerk. <laughs> good point. Good point. I will lay claim. I was the dick. I took Will Power with a fantastic fourth place finish. By the way, if I slur my words, it's not the whiskey. It's the fact that I can hear my voice in my ear. I promise. Now he knows what the rest of us have to deal with. You have no idea. <laughs> good one. Good. So, willpower was good, as expected. The Penske cars were pretty damn impressive. Uh, looking at Mike's pick for the weekend, Scotty Mack. Yeah, second. Not bad. <laughs> yeah. So is I, well, I mean, is this the ex expectation now of Scotty Mack? Yes, yes. I was driving back from Sebring, listening to the radio on, listen to the race on the radio, and I see, see I hear Scotty Max and first I'm like, yes, yes, I I picked one, I picked one, and <laughs> fucking New Garden. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, James and Mike sharing their hatred of Newgarden now. Yeah. Oh. My wife had to listen to it all the way from uh, the middle of Georgia to North Carolina, me bitching about Newgarden. Uh, I I wish you were on the the watch party stream with us because I think we all would have enjoyed to hear your your long rant about Newgarden. It would have been good just to see your face as he. <laughs> yes. That would have been good to say. But I think, um, I feel like P2 doesn't really do Scotty Max race justice. No! No, was, 186 was a, laps led. It was he definitely a dominated dominant that race. Yeah, yeah. He dominated that race, and if it wasn't for lap traffic, he would have won the damn race. But he got stuck with lap traffic, Newgarden caught up to him, and fucking pipped him at the line. And it's bullshit! <laughs> I almost had a pick. Well, if it wasn't for lap traffic, J.R. Hildebrand would have an Indy 500 win. Uh, oh, oh, why? Boy. Why would you do that? That's that's just cruel. Uh, yeah. Well, Maybe I mean, we're, we're already throwing daggers. So <laughs> now let's let's flip over when we don't have a show for a few weeks. We get angry at each other. Wait, we all go crazy. Coming in hot. Pen up rage. Um, well, just well, that Chris didn't order us the 
uh, Danny Rick glass shoey decanter as a exactly. show Seven hundred dollars a pop. Saying that it wouldn't have the real funk. Sure, I'm, I'm looking at the message right it. now. Oh no no no! <laughs> Address what you said. I mean, it's true. It's glass. It's not going to have the same foot funk as a full race distance shoey, right? Like that's an indisputable racing thing. wheels that are more expensive. Yeah. Yeah, but those are Just racing saying. wheels. This this tells Glass me we need something sure like this as a trophy. <laughs> That's what we should get as a trophy for whoever gets the best on the picks throughout the year. A shoe. We should 3D print a plastic a shoe? shoey decanter. Exactly. <laughs> My God. <laughs> Mmm, then we get cancer from the plastic. Fantastic. I can't wait. I think I know someone with a 3D printer. This is a thing now. Yep. Chris, who are uh, anchovies? Uh, Anchovies of the week. Mike McCollin. You dumb. Yeah, terrible pick, Mike. Yeah, I know. Only, I, I fucked up. Only outdone, possibly, by me. Taking Scotty McLaughlin. Why? <laughs> okay, here was my logic on this. Was anything less than a win a disappointment? I would say yes. No. no. Your original logic, by the way, was anything less than podium. Yeah, okay. he still he got said, and he was on the podium. New Garden nipped the tip yeah, and New got Garden. McLaughlin at the line. It wasn't like Erickson, it was New Garden, a two time champion. He was a two time champion, right? Yeah, two time champion. My logic for Jimmy <laughs> Johnson was, and I was, I'm happy to be wrong again. I am a reformed Jimmy Johnson hater. I am happy to be wrong. My logic was that if he finishes anywhere out of P10. It would be a disappointment for him because he was expected to do well, and he did well. So I am happy to be wrong because I got my I got my other pick very right. Mike, my are you life. telling us that you found Shadow Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> I I have come to see the ways of the Shadow Jesus. No, it's not that I like Jimmy Johnson. I just I'm glad that he is performing and not wasting a seat that could be going to somebody like Kyle Kirkwood. He's yeah. at least doing something with his seat. Oh, and bringing a bunch of money. There. So, I think Chris has probably the worst anchovy. Should be honest. I don't think anybody picked New Garden. No, nobody picked New Garden. So does that make Mike second worse? Well, what are the other ones? I'll I'll own second worst for sure. I won won Anchovy because I picked picked Rossi, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And he only made like uh, barely a lap. So he screwed up the start and then his car. And that's pretty bad. Yeah, Uh, that's 
that's the anchovy race to honestly end all anchovy race. You, yes, you can't really I can agree with that. Yeah. Um. So that's the winner. Chris is obviously the big loser here. <laughs> uh, what is, mine was Grosjean, I believe. I think Grosjean. Uh, okay, um, here's where things get interesting. Because, Ben, you had Roman Grosjean. Jason had Colton Herta. Well, Colton Chris, Herta finishing had a, in the 12th position. You and I had a discussion about whether or not this was a driver mistake, driver anchovy, or team anchovy. And you, I remember, you said that. Pretty sure there's not the enough anchovies in the sea for Andretti at this point if we're handing out team anchovies. Well, well, team as in like the 2019, the 2016, the 2017. Correct. Because otherwise I, you I could think, just say Andretti every Andretti. time. And I think Andretti just has earned an anchovy and we move on. Uh, yes, but we have to figure out who gets minus two points and who gets minus one point. It's serious stuff, Mike. I don't know why you're trying to blow past it, okay? It's <laughs> very serious and very important. I am going to say that Herda is it had a better performance than Kersh because I mean, he ran up front they got screwed by an Andretti pit stop and still finished 12th. Whereas Grosjean ran out of the top 10 for most of the day, I believe I'm correct in saying. Yeah, and but does that really third. count for the drivers considering three of the last four cars on the grid were Andretti cars? But it's, but we, again, I think we're going toward it being the, the crew of that car and that car's performance. Right? Well, so, so then... He, because so Ben's a minus two. Forked Kirkwood. I should get a plus one for Kirkwood. Is what you're telling me. Rossi's no. battery is the anchovy. No. Well, Rossi um, screwed up the start too. Let's not yeah. forget that. Oh yes, he, he jumped the start massively. Start. And I watched the replay, by the way. Um, he self. That was an Irish. It start. was completely on him. There was no stack up. He just jumped it. Yeah. It was bad. Um, all right. So looking at pick standings after Texas, our points leader, this can't be right. There's no possible way. James Watson is leading ah. the points. Ah. <laughs> ah. That's all he we has- get from him. He has, he has the willpower to win the. You're goddamn right, I do. <laughs> oh my god! He was vapor locked for a second there. Uh, Just like in Detroit. Oh, <laughs> more like the ECU wouldn't refire. Well, Just he straight kicking the balls. Maybe it would have refired if he followed the shutdown procedures. That he would have followed the shutdown procedures if they weren't so convoluted. Okay, I'm not getting into that argument again. <laughs> Second oh, in points is Ben Carswell. Third, yeah. Mike McCullen. Uh, then it is me, followed by Jason Owens. 27 points back. 
How are you not last, Chris? With VK at St. Pete, Scotty Mack here. You've had the worst two anchovy picks. Uh, well, here's why. Devlin DeFrancesco is why I am not last. Uh, should we play the clip here? After this Do is it. after qualifying. Yes. Do Will it. Please play the clip. Roll the All tape. right, here you go. Roll tape. First day in Texas done, uh, qualifying, and uh, we did race practice in the books. Um, number 29, Andretti, power top, Siren Better Hana, looks, uh, looks quite strong, looks quite promising in, in traffic and, and around people, and our in-laps and out-laps were, were strong, and the whole crew of the 29 car was, was strong in the pits, so I think uh, I think uh, tomorrow's going to be promising. A lot learned today, for sure. Um, you know, I think we left a little bit on the table in qualifying, uh, but, you know, things to learn from, and uh, all preparation for... For a future experience, for sure. So it's it's pretty strong to hip check multiple drivers. I think so, for sure. Yes, um, you know I've got five other teammates that uh, that I can lean on and that I'm looking to to close the gap to and uh, and be fighting with. So uh, that's more of uh, I'd say my focus, um, but generally. Okay, he got one part right there. I, I I have to admit I may have listened to that clip several times already and was it's still ready great to go comedic right timing. There. It's great comedic timing. Um he got the leaning on part right. Yeah, he was leaning. Yeah. I don't, did, I don't know, man. Did we ever get Sato's take on uh there? Well run in? I, uh, I have a minute 43 second clip of Takuma Sato <laughs> if you would like to hear it. <laughs> I, did, I don't, I don't know. Do, do, do we, do we have, I mean, I know we're not FCC regulated here, but we may need to be after he play that. All right. Good. Good. So we had a extra feeling. Um, obviously, disappointed not to uh, finish the race. Um, but David uh, made a, a quite exciting race, which was uh, good for the team. But um, we um, had a very fast car today. Um, at the start, we weren't very good, but then um, I was immediately back at my position from fifth to third. And then I stretched the, uh, the first stint, so Scott had to dive in good fuel. And then uh, I overtook Felix, who was leading at the time. But our tire management was better. So then uh, read the race and the perfect first hit. Um, we can't really um, explain it better than this. But um, unfortunately, uh, we next to the uh, teammate uh, on the pit box and uh, we had a little, a little issue. And then um, unfortunately, uh, I couldn't come into the box uh, because it was blocked. So uh, we lost a, a significant position and then uh, Second stint on the way back to my position. Unfortunately, uh, I was side by side with uh, Di Francesco, and uh, he had a moment. And he had come up, and then we had a touch contact, and then uh, I uh, damaged on my suspension. So uh, very unfortunate, but team did a fantastic job over the course of the weekend. And uh, yeah, that okay, was, that was a tough race for him. Really was. That was diplomatic. Man, that was. I was gonna say like. With the way uh, he had a moment, statement. That is a. I mean, is he running for president? Like, 
<laughs> that is incredibly diplomatic. It's a really tough phrase for Sata, though. That's not what we're talking about right now. But just, he qualified third. And remember, he isn't at Dale Coyne this year. Qualified third, ran well, got blocked out of his pit stall by his teammate. And then was making back positions, like he said, and then got DeFrancesco. And, man. Is there any irony? Small teams need these good results. Is there any irony that Satoed was a verb just a season or so ago? And now it's DeFrancesco'd? Hmm. Yeah, but I think there's a difference between no attack, no chance, and throwing it in there when you are... And oops, I screwed up. (laughs) Versus I'm way over my head and probably shouldn't be in this car. Like, Oops, I should still be in lights? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, more um, money than sense. I mean, it's great that HMD is in the series, right? Like, love it, awesome. But woof. Yeah. And, and before we I, I transfer think, uh, or transition here to uh, Long Beach, can we say how damn good the race was? We were expecting a snoozer, and we had Polo in the crap, PJ1 stuff. Kirkwood was a monster in it. Jimmy Johnson was using it. We had a true groove and a half racetrack, I'll say. Almost two grooves. That race was a lot of fun to watch. We were into texas expecting it to be how texas ended not with a bang but with a whimper and we came out of that race going holy shit when's texas coming back so whatever they did to make the track drivable worked now if this was a one-time deal and they sign a deal to go back to texas and shit goes pear-shaped again well I think I would, I would sign you, a one-year contract. Agreed. Texas. I think you have to go back next year with, especially with the corporate market in Dallas, all the activation, the B two B stuff, and you have to know you have to go back early in the year when it's cooler, and you have as long of a possible layover from the last time that NASCAR polluted the track surface with resin, and. You do it again the way they did it this year. And I was fairly skeptical of the let's paint some lines and everybody drive above the lines for a bit. But the proof is in the pudding, guys. Like that was I was trying to watch the race over a VPN in Canada while flying to Italy on my iPad on Peacock, (laughs) which thankfully Peacock doesn't. And not that anybody at Peacock listens to this podcast, but they don't block uh, any of the major VPN IP ranges. So I was able to watch and um, it was a damn good race. Um, no I got home from Sebring and having listened to it on the radio, I still watched it uh, on the Peacock replay and I was pleasantly surprised with it. I, I mean, I, 
I was a pessimist going into it. I was like, hey, this thing's going to be bad. This is not going to be a good race. We, you know, Texas is dying. We're not going to see Texas again. Thank God Texas is dead. Now, I will still argue that Texas being the same weekend as Sebring is stupid, and they shouldn't do that again. But Texas being in March might actually have something. But they know when Sebring is going to be next year. Hint, it's around St. Patrick's Day. Schedule Texas the week before or week after. Yeah, not the same weekend. Yeah, I I think there's a lot that goes into it. Even things like when the final four lands and stuff like that, because AT and T Stadium is one of the host rotation venues for things like the final four. There's a lot that you have to consider in terms of making things affordable for people to go to the race. But yes, Texas early spring and like Jason said a lot of time after NASCAR has laid the stuff down and I think next year maybe you see more drivers take advantage of that practice session to run it in the other variable here too is you know we had different cars with NASCAR. There's now the new the new next gen cars. They might race entirely different and not even need the stupid crap. So I I, I am I think there's that other variable as to you know what actually happens you know with NASCAR if they if they put the stuff down or not. They probably will because NASCAR. But yeah, it, it'll be an interesting one to see. But it is time for us to transition through. We're already at the halfway point here. So let's look ahead to the, what is it now, Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach? I think it's still Acura branding on it. Anyway, we're going to Long Beach. Um, what are our thoughts here? We do have some clips we can play that uh, from the Barber Test this week that some of the drivers were doing their Long Beach previews, uh, but Long Beach is Long Beach. It's kind of a one of the most known entities on the calendar at this point. Jeez, I, I think one of the, the cool <laughs> things about Long Beach is you've got really two premier series in the country coming together at a premier venue. Um so you get your IMSA race on on Saturday, and yeah, it's a short one, but it's it's still a great race. It it never fails to be exciting. It it's thankfully not going to have LMP three, so it, it won't be a, a crash fest. Um, but and then you've got obviously you've got IndyCar on on Sunday, and then the support stuff is really solid too. It looks like Stadium Super Trucks is is in the support. Uh, lineup there's a couple of other things that look like they're the pretty solid support um is formula drift coming back this year uh i see super drift i see carrera cup uh, um what else is there yeah stadium super trucks um yeah so there's a couple of there's a lot of really good on track activity um in a cool place right it's it's a cool track it's I don't want to say it's our Monaco, but it's kind of our Monaco. Um, and it, it's always a good race. And I, I 
you know, uh, traditionally it's been beginning of April. I kind of liked it as the season finale last year. I thought that worked really well because it's such a wild card. Um, sucked for Pato getting murdered at the hairpin in the first lap, but that's what happens at Long Beach. Um, so I, I, I think it's it's great to have it back where it belongs in, in April. And it's a cool weekend. It's a fun weekend. There's a lot of good racing this weekend, too. We think that there's a driver who needs to have a good race there, or is it too early for that? Has anybody had, like, a start to the year where they're just like, you should have a good race. You've not had a good race yet. <laughs> uh, Alex Rossi? Well, every race is like that for him, apparently, <laughs> for the last, like, two years. And he's been he's in that mode for a while. to perform. He's got pressure to f- perform there because that's his. I think we said we've yeah, and we've stated as well. I think that he's not going to be back with Andretti this this next season. I don't it's, blame it's, him. It's it's a they have not. He has not picked up extensions. He has not resigned. Even though and they I have think he's made it him. very clear that he's done at Andretti. Yeah. So if you want to go somewhere else, maybe it's. Yeah. Time to have a good race. But other than him... He's got, he's got two wins at Long Beach. I... He's got 18 and 19. Actually, this is, this is great. 2016, finished 20th. 2017, finished 19th. 20, 2018 and 2019, both wins. And obviously it didn't happen in 2020. And 2021, 6th. So... Well, he should. Yeah, this he's is his. Good race. This is his shot to come back and show everybody he's angry, Rossi, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I think. I think he needs to stop being angry, Rossi, and just get out and, and drive and and try to clear his head. And, and and that's hard, right? You know, you know, we all drive fake race cars, and we all know what red mist is, and we all know what it feels like to be angry. You know, that shit's not going your way. But I mean, he's. I... He's got to figure out a way around it because I don't, he gets worse when he's angry Rossi lately. See, I don't think this is angry Rossi. I don't think the Rossi we're seeing is that angry Rossi. I think what we're seeing is detached, depressed, just can't deal with any Rossi. I feel like he's just so so kind of destroyed on how the last few years have gone that he's just not able to get back to that level because of trying to work through everything that's gone on the last couple of years. So if we can get him back to that angry Ross, we'll see his performance pick back up. But until then, I'm not sure. But I think, um, even if he needs a change of scenery to really be himself again, he still has to show that he can do it. Like, I don't think, and I don't think there's any doubt that he's a good driver. It's just the doubt is in his performance and it is. I don't want to say his attitude. I, I think it's a fair question, Ben, because at some point you'd hear talk about guys who, especially in the stick and ball sports, they're a cancer in the locker room. They're this, they're that, they're not the right person to have on your team. 
Is that a possibility of the discussion surrounding Alexander Rossi at this point? If the discussion guys, becomes the guy's a head case, do I really want to risk that? But there's a there's yeah, a documented yeah, history. Like those guys, the Miami Heat uh, and basketball are a great example of this. They have a really strong culture. And when these guys who are, you know, uh, impulsive and a little mature, a little headstrong, when they go there, they get they get whipped into shape and they get with the culture and it helps them succeed. Until so, you until you come across a player like Jimmy Butler, who's kind of the antithesis of that heat culture when things are going wrong. You've seen it right. in every place he's been at. Minnesota, Philly, Chicago. Oh, when things are going good and everything is clicking, he's unreal and he takes that team to a higher level. However, as soon as things start to fall apart, Part, his attitude goes in the toilet and the team goes into the toilet. I mean, hell, I saw it watch. I, I watched it happen right before my eyes just a few weeks ago when in the war, the heat were playing my warriors without any of the big three. And we completely stomped him. And he got so pissed off to the point him and Eric Spolstra almost fought on the sideline. I'm kind of, the more I think it about is the basketball, Rossi, but <laughs> yeah, the more how think, do you have time to run in like 87 different iRacing leagues? <laughs> he doesn't sleep. He doesn't racing, sleep. And you're like the NBA Oracle aficionado that knows every, like he doesn't sleep. He doesn't sleep. That's because I have basketball on my iPad while I'm racing. Amazing. But my, my point is this. There are people who need strong environments to help them succeed. Okay. And I think Alex Rossi is probably one of these guys where he needs support. He needs to know that the team has his back. And they need to be a strong, firm environment where it's like, no, get it together. Let's go. Let's go as a team. We're going to succeed. I don't think Andretti's well, that think, environment at all. I think there's another thing here too, though. You know, look at the public persona that that Rossi's putting out there. You know, he's a, he's a grumpy guy. He's a curmudgeon. He's you know he's always cranky. He doesn't like anything. But I, I think that that's not an act, right? I think that's legitimately him. And, you know, even, you know, in the professional world where you've got a high-performing team and you've got the one guy who's constantly negative, who's constantly bringing things down, it hurts the whole team. And I don't know what his deal is, and he really needs to either hire a publicist or a psychologist or both who can get his shit together. Because, quite frankly, he's an embarrassment. He's not performing on track, and he's an asshole. But I think you see other drivers in other in other disciplines too, who are, but they win, right? Kyle Busch is a great example of this. He's a giant jerk on a regular basis, but he wins and he's good. Well, right. This is my point. JGR is a top tier, A class organization, and they keep their guys they they support them they back them up and kyle bush might know that the fans hate him but he knows that jgr has his back i don't think and at the risk of turning this into a nascar podcast 
I think Kyle really leans into that heel persona a bit exactly. because you hear stories about people who have met him and say that he's nothing like the public face that he puts on. Whereas you hear people that meet Rossi and think, yeah, he's kind of a dick. So I, I think Kyle. My point is that if you want to, if you want to be this guy, it, it sells. Then you need, but he needs that. But if if let's just if, if Rossi is a dick, he's a dick. Like that's just say that that's if that's what it is, that's what it is. But he either he needs to fix it, and it doesn't seem like he can, or he needs to be in a place where they're going to fix it for him. And I'm saying Andretti he is not did. that place. They're, Andretti's I, not going to do that. Andretti is Whatever by the no team means was doing the peak of I don't know. You and Jason could probably speak more to this than I can. That does not look like a successful organization or a place you want to work. It's absolutely it just not a successful organization. I mean, look at how disheveled everything Andretti is. Anything that Andretti touches lately turns to crap. Their IndyCar team sucks. They ran Christian Rasmussen out of fuel at St. Pete. Their LMP3 car completed a lap at Sebring before the engine blew up. And not just Anything blew up, Andretti but it was touched- pouring coolant straight out the header. Like, anything yeah, that Andretti touches turns to crap. And we've yeah, talked like, about it repeatedly, that there's no one an, in charge at Andretti. Yeah, and especially the, since the F1 where I'm sitting, started, it's the inverse Midas touch. It is like an absolute train wreck of a dumpster fire on top of a nuclear meltdown of a racing team. An organization right all now. of this is probably not looking the faa is probably not looking favorably on this going yeah we don't want another hrt to come into the series we don't want another cage room to come into f1 if we're gonna bring someone in we want someone who can perform and quite frankly nothing andretti is doing right now is showing any level of performance. And before you start adding more shit to your stable, you gotta get this shit that you that's made your name right first. Andretti has historically been associated with IndyCar. They've been performers in IndyCar. They need to get their crap together. Otherwise, they're not... It's not a good look, and it's embarrassing. I mean, I so going back to Rossi, right? Whatever the team did in 2018 and 2019, you know, he was second in the points, he was third in the points, he had a whole bunch of wins. Things were really clicking in 2018, 2019. 2020, he had a lot of bad finishes, but then he also had a string of podiums. He had a a third at Mid-Ohio, a second at Mid-Ohio, a second at Indy Road Course, a third at Indy Road Course. He had a string where he was actually on the podium every single every single race. He had a podium at Road, at Road America. Um, obviously, that was a screwed up year, but he the car was still performing and he was still performing. And we we're like, oh, cool. Like, he started slow. 2020 is kind of weird. We get it. And he picked it up with, you know. And then last year was hot garbage. And this year is hot garbage. We, I mean, do you think the? I, I don't know. I think the pandemic may have done a number on Andretti. It just—it's too perfectly timed that the aero screen comes in. They have to change everything. The pandemic makes it harder. They can't change everything. 
I, would, I, think, I would almost say that and honestly might be the era screen might be it but i don't know i at, at the risk it, of it feels it feels know, a little a little like i don't know like you're making it i don't know i don't want to say demeaning or insulting but like i think alexander rossi is a good enough race car driver to be able to drive at a high level with the aero screen. I think that's a pretty shoddy experience. Unless unless they're giving him a car that's an absolute piece of crap and they're setting I it think up. that's more likely. I, I think it's more likely that Andretti my, hasn't figured out the aero screen. Here's my take on this one. Andretti was known for several years when they were I don't want to say dominant, but very, very good. Their damper program was class of the field. Nobody else was close to them on and that. And they're not right now. They're not. And they're the not. The heap damper program. That's a. Maybe that's where the pandemic allowed other people to catch up. When you're talking about a world that you have to run lots of simulations and lots of computer modeling. Maybe that's where some of these other teams have stumbled on something that at least caught them up. Well, isn't Andretti going to have the quantum computing? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't even finish the sentence. Oh, I think, so, I think hey, yeah. another Andretti program that turned to garbage. Their supercars program. Chaz Monster has a really good start to the season, and then they're hot garbage at Simmons Plains. And what are they doing in uh, F- Formula E right now? I don't think they're Sunday, great. Probably. I think Askew is impressing people and Dennis is doing all right. But I, I, I think that Mike makes making you. No, I don't watch Formula E. I will watch the Monaco race, though, because that's going to be incredible. It was incredible last year. It'll be incredible again. I'll watch really? the so, Rome race just because it's not anywhere in a like representative portion of Rome that people actually recognize. To close it up, though, I think that um, I think Mike is making a good point about Andretti. They are doing entirely too much. They are people doing this, that, the other, and they need to focus on their main program. And it should be IndyCar. I really want it to be IndyCar. I mean, you could tell me they were running a Superbike and MotoGP program right now, and I'd believe you. I would, yeah, I would. I would be like, oh, really? Oh, cool. Oh, oh, they have 100%. an extreme E team. If I yes, told you an extreme E team too, do they have an extreme E team? They they absolutely do. Of course they oh. do. <laughs> they absolutely do. See, I mean, why, why, why? There's no point. There's no point. Stop it. Cut it out. Sell it. Stop it, Michael. <laughs> stop it. Get back to work with IndyCar. Win the championship again. In IndyCar, which is your premier series, just just do Formula E and IndyCar. There you go. Open wheelers. All right, boys. It, it is time to actually move on to Long Beach now. Um, let's do this one. Uh, first clip, just for Ben. Super excited to get back to Long Beach. Um, it's a place that I 
and spent so much time dreaming of racing on as a kid. Had a great experience when I was there in the fall. Um, had a great run. You know, I was able to pass some cars late in the race and have one of my better, more competitive races. Uh, so hopeful, having a hopeful that having a few more races under my belt. Test session, uh, two test sessions actually. That my progression uh, will allow me to qualify higher and then obviously run higher in the race. So Jimmy Johnson sounds confident, but he could also make a bowl of soup sound confident. He's just a fantastic, fantastic person. He sounds like an open wheel race car driver. He sounds like he fits. I, quite frankly, is. he sounds like a guy that needs to mentor Alexander Rossi. <laughs> yeah. I could not think of two more different personalities. <laughs> Maybe that's well, why I'm possibly one of the calmest people and most even-headed people you will ever meet in Jimmy Johnson. Okay. All I know is I need a sitcom with just Rossi and Jimmy Johnson just doing random things. The amount of shots you will get of Jimmy Johnson's confused face. Where he's <laughs> just like, what are, you, what are you doing? Why are you so upset? Calm down. <laughs> Uh, things yes. I didn't know I needed till now. Let's hear from yep, I, I am here. the champ. Well, not raining, but he has a lot of them. Cool. Uh, looking forward to Long Beach. You know, it's, uh, it's a fun track, a great event uh, last year. It feels like we were just there, actually. So I'm uh, looking forward to getting back there, uh, hoping to get a win. Uh, at least, you know, for the team, it would be fantastic for one of us to, to get on that top step. Uh, had a great run there last year. Um, so fingers crossed we're going to have a, a smooth run at Long Beach and, and get on that top step. That's what we expect from Scott Dixon, right? That is a Scott Dixon interview. Yes. With the sunglasses. The goofy clear frame sunglasses with the blue reflective perched up on top of the hat. Do you think he just cuts those like he cuts one and then they just replace the name of the track? Oh, for sure. Does it's Scott like that. Really only have one Long Beach win? Am I reading this right? Scott's only uh, won there once. I think so. But I'm going to totally date myself with this next comment and I doubt anyone here recognizes it, but I'm of a particular age where I grew up listening to Jim Rome and he had this, uh, Oh no, no, I like, I, I, I don't readily admit that now because the guy's an absolute tool bag, but he had this bit where he would talk about, uh, tiger's press conference, uh, responses where it was literally <laughs> like oh, no. what Chris said, like cut and paste, like yeah. a golf course was good. My golf swing felt good. I like my chances. Like that's like the straight up Scott Dixon interview every time. Now, outside of maybe Long Beach and Indy, I mean, he does have a one win at each. But there's probably two places that Scott Dixon does not look forward to going to. Long Beach and Indy. Kind of in incredible, quite frankly, that Scott Dixon can have more championships uh, than we've had wives combined. And he only has two crown jewels. 
Just shows you how hard it is to win in Indianapolis and Long Beach, I guess. I was going to say it shows you how hard it is to get rid of wives. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, and as. Oh, Jason, no. I hope. I Jason's going to end J-O up in the recycling bin this. for an entirely different reason this week. <laughs> <laughs> Not for me. I love my wife. I was just saying in general. You're right. Yep. Okay. Back Jason Owens. Love my wife. Don't listen to what that other guy said. <laughs> <laughs> it was Jason Owens 6 that said it, not Jason Owens 5. I J O five. I love my wife, not J O six. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Oh, no. Wow. Um, we have uh, Long Beach picks to do? Yes, we have Long Beach picks. And the last thing to discuss, uh, actually, Jason just showed it here in our little Discord oh, chat. Oh, please, but... no. Oh. <laughs> Graham Rahal. Yes, we are going to. Graham Rahal. Doesn't he have a few more Ducatis to sell or something before... Like, Why do you think he wants to go to Italy? He's got a whole collection of Carrera GTs, apparently. He's he's working on selling. Why doesn't he just go do the RLL MotoGP team and be quiet? <laughs> we had this discussion a couple of weeks ago. He's he's your quiet 275 outfielder who just hangs out and does his job and gets paid. He, he is the Mendoza line. Yes. No, he's way above the Mendoza line. Which reminds me, I am the Graham Ray Hall of the RIL and many of the league running. <laughs> you are Thunderchuck, though, so. Well, oh. yeah, it's not an indie, indie car. That's why. Oh. Yeah, okay, so names. what do we make of Mr. Ray Hall's assertion that if F1 is going to come to our turf, IndyCar needs to go to theirs? You know, I I think I'm actually going to bypass that and go to what I think was the more important thing that he said, which we talked a lot about schedule date equity on this pod. But he said, like, we need to do something where we have, like, our core schedule and then a rotating component where we do Burke Lakefront one year and then Watkins Glen and then back and alternate year to year. That is really intriguing to me. I don't think the series is on a healthy enough financial foot footing yet to go to Europe, Central or South America, potentially. But you also have to get somebody that's either going to pay the sanctioning fee or pay the promotion fee. And I don't think there's anybody in a position to do that right now in Central or South America. And that goes back to the point that I was making a couple of weeks ago, is that the series, if they want to do this, needs to foot some of the money and needs to front some of the money because there's nobody who's willing to take a risk on IndyCar. There's nobody who's willing to promote something and have to put their money on the line for nobody to show up. I do I like that, that he re- that he related this to PGA Golf because yeah. that does seem like the most Graham Rahal analogy. God. <laughs> I think he, it, there is a, a point to be made here that IndyCar should be in Canada more and they should be in Mexico and whatever South American, Central American country has a grade two circuit. 
you know, and is willing to work with them, they should do that and and work up that audience down there because F1's only going to what? What do we have? We have the three U.S. races that is, it's hard to go to those, as we know. We have Montreal. We have Mexico. Um, Brazil. And that's it. Those are the Americas, right? Five races. Or six races, I'm sorry. Next year, at least six races. I am going to One take in a Central contrarian point to all of you. I think with the economic climate that we are in right now, I mean, Stefano Domenicali came out and said that Monaco now has to pay a sanction fee. That has never happened in the history of Formula One. We are looking at a situation where potentially Silverstone, Spa, Paul Ricard, and or Barcelona could be outside looking in on the F1 calendar. This is a chance for IndyCar to go over there and say, look, the parades that you guys watched at $1,000 a ticket, we're going to charge you 50 bucks a ticket, and you're going to see a badass race. Yeah, but who is flying the entire IndyCar paddock to Europe? Who's footing that bill? The series doesn't have that money. FedEx. Oh, wait. That was 20 years ago. DHL. <laughs> Wrong series. <laughs> I mean, they sponsor Grosjean. It's not that far yeah, out. Yeah, that's the it. amount of money they're willing to spend on any car is Grosjean. Oh, we can watch Grosjean do testing. I Actually, he should do that. that is there are logistical idea. questions for sure. Let's do that. But I think the best possible course of action for IndyCar is to say, we're going to run a two or three race European stint. We're going to be over there for five or six weeks. And yes, it sort of blows the schedule up a little bit. But it takes a great product and puts it right up in the face of European watchers. I think it would be good. There's a lot of unused there's a lot of unused tracks though. But I think part of the part of the thing that like it like oh it'd be great to have a, a race at the Nürburgring GP again or many cores or breath or any of these tracks that Formula One just doesn't go to anymore. The issue is but that again, Europe is the size of like the East Coast, and they can go wherever they want. And I know there's financial issues. I know, that. but to build that audience, because this is what I'm getting going, to. Nobody's going, going to pay to host IndyCar at Silverstone, and a thousand people show up. You've got to build that right. audience. That audience this is there. Point. There's still this preconceived notion in Europe that IndyCar is just a bunch of rednecks going in circles. And yeah, IndyCar is doing an okay job of starting to publicize themselves, but we still see this in in the our IndyCar subreddit, right? Is F1 people coming in with preconceived notions about IndyCar, and they're happily dismissed, but there's a lot of people that still think 
that IndyCar is an inferior series with inferior cars. It's a spec series. Nobody wants to watch a spec series. The rules are stupid. The drivers aren't the best in the world. Why am I going to pay to watch this? And you've got to build that audience. And I I don't know who's doing that promotion because IndyCar's not. IndyCar likes their core audience of middle-aged white men. I think you start that promotion in in Canada and in Mexico, where we have our the young Mexican driver. Uh, in Brazil, be really where IndyCar careful has been about before. trying. But if you these try are to the go places we should be F1, doing. It. You don't need to go head to head. but people are still going to look at lap times. The, the first thing that happened with Coda is everyone looked at the lap times, and then everyone looked at how IndyCar and F1 raced there, and all the IndyCar fans, you could see this, like, like, you could draw a line on Reddit and guess just by reading a comment if they were an IndyCar fan or an F1 fan, based on if they thought the Coda race was cool, and the track limit, you know, enforcement was, you know, perfect, and it, this is stupid, they're slow, why do they let them go outside the lines? You like, you could tell who was a fan of who, and I, I don't know. I, right, I, so you don't go to FIA grade one circuits, you go to grade two and grade three in Europe that have fan capacity, and you don't have head-to-head times with F1. Um, screw it, Le Mans. Actually, they'd probably be pretty cool in the Bugatti <laughs> circuit. I think the Bugatti circuit, yeah. I think there's there's um, some sense to like, hey, we're going to go to Brands Hatch GP, and you're not going to have to go through all the shit you go through to get into Silverstone and to get into the British GP. It's cheaper. It's going to be a sweet fucking race. You know, hey, we're going to come here, you know, a good amount of time to British GT. But you start that, you start building that audience outside of middle-aged white Midwestern men. You start that where you don't have to cross an ocean. You go up to Canada. You go down to Mexico. And you start building that audience out there. You don't start building it in Were we talking about Long Beach? Well, no, we were talking about Graham Ray Hall. conversation. God, I hate Graham Ray Hall. Okay. Don't Can we run, run down the entry it. list here? God. Can we just go to to Lausitz on the Oval? No. Uh, is English Rockingham still around, or That's is that? Please, it's let's a stop car talking park about Europe. Now. I don't oh, want to talk about Europe anymore. Rosenquist from Sweden. Ericsson from Sweden. Palou from Spain. VK from the Netherlands. Grosjean from Switzerland slash France. Lundgaard from Denmark. Harvey from England. Pagano from France. Islet from England. Half the damn field is European. Sickening. I'm down, Tony George. Well, up there, Tony George, but... I just, I, look, if, if we have an international grid, do you want front don't engine mention all the Canadians yes in no? there, by the way. What? Do you want front engine Offenhausers back? Yes or no? Real quick. West no, does. I want mechanics on the cars. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> I, Clearly, you're well beloved on IndyCar Reddit. <laughs> no, I just look, 
We have an international driving crew. We do. There's no anything else. It's just it's what it is. We have, and this is not a, in 2024, we go to Europe. This is in 2029, we have a substantial fan base. This is not a quick thing. Graham Murray Hall will not be racing when this happens. He shouldn't be. But we can go to Mosport. We can go to Montreal. No, we can't go to Mosport. You can't go to Mosport. That would be a disaster. You can't go to Mosport. People will die. You can't go to Mosport. We can go somewhere other than fucking road America for once. That's my point. Like, we can go outside the U.S. and we don't have to go across an ocean. Why are we not in Brazil? We should be in Brazil. You heard it here first, people. it costs money to get to Brazil. Ben Carswell wants to take the date away from road America and give it to Brazil. I would. I would. He hates sports cars. He hates road America. Ben Carswell is a candidate we just can't believe in. I would. No, be honest. <laughs> Mike Where McCall would you rather see a race? Laguna Seca he... or Interlagos? Be honest. It's Interlagos. Laguna Seca. No. I'd rather see it street circuit. It's got to be Vancouver. Like, go to Vancouver. Uh, like, brilliant. A Vancouver street circuit. Although I would say we should probably move it to the northeast somewhere. That's, that's only circuit. failed twice. But... It's no, actually like, failed three times. So yeah, but I mean, there's no excuse. I know there's no there's no money. Get the money. You want to succeed? Go get the money. Go get the funding. Go get people to watch the race. You're the promoters, and you by you I mean so easy. You make it sound so easy. Right? Get the money. It's not supposed He's to be over here easy. breaking hey, let's, let's go, give go up do the bratwurst and beer capital of the world that has date equity and packs the place out and go hey, to Brazil. Come, obviously, you, you keep buy, right America. But buy, did you did you see the stands at Laguna Seca <laughs> last year? Ben, here's the thing: you we literally have to cross an ocean to get to Brazil. Still. There is no road through the damn forest. You know that in My, Central look, America. You can't get there. You have Here's to cross my point. the ocean. Here is my point. We have an IndyCar schedule where how many other races have like 20% attendance? Laguna Seca was practically empty last year. Are you there? We had... I watched, I, I watched, I watched the stands. I we saw weren't the stands. allowed to have a full... I lived in Monterey. I know what that crowd is like. They're not going to go. It's it doesn't it has not had a good crowd. Why are we not moving that somewhere else? Ben, just go because look at a picture Laguna of Jimmy Seca Johnson. You need to calm crack. down. <laughs> Channel not, your it's idol. Fundamentally, it's fundamentally lazy to not try and do new things. What are we doing that's new things? Nashville. Literally, they put a whole freaking brand new grade one street circuit in Nashville. Eight months ago. <laughs> Ben's had this one too many German time, beers. This is fun. This is the first time since 2008, really since the split, so 1996, where we can say that IndyCar might actually be a little healthy right now. But I think it's still very tenuous. Like, we're talking about all of this. We're not even going to have 33 cars on the grid for the 500, possibly. They're literally talking about how do we get that 33rd car. So before we talk about 
packing up the whole paddock and flying somewhere and getting that money, we need to fill our freaking crown jewel first. Like we we had a we've had a decent run of like actual like teams showing up and getting bumped and, and bumped in and all that good stuff. And now we're gonna have thirty-two cars on the grid. We can't even find a thirty-third car to fill the field for the five hundred this year. So the IndyCar is healthy right now, but it's like barely healthy. I think that's a pretty good spot to leave it, quite frankly, because it's not on life support anymore, but I don't know that it's ready to run the marathon as bad as I want it to. One of those deals that you just can't. It's been sent home with an oxygen tank right now. I wouldn't go that far. But it's not in the ICU. It's re- it's rehabbing at home. It's recovering from long COVID. Right. And I'm saying in a year, it should go for a run. I'm not saying it should, they should go for a run right now. I'm saying, you know, in like 2027, 2026, 2028. That was a quick jump from stuff. a year to five years. Yeah. I, I was. <laughs> Let's not gloss over in that front of you, Ben. No, the hospital you know metaphor is, is a year. I'm saying is in the hospital metaphor. I do work in a hospital. My All point right. is this. IndyCar should start right. doing stuff. Let's move on. Can we do our things? Let's now. move on. <laughs> it's time to do picks. So we can all look like... If anyone's well, left listening. Quite frankly, idiots again. I think uh, it's just a <laughs> time to do our what picks. What if people leave us on to sleep? Now that track. We have nightmares. We're yeah, the terrible uh, idea. ASMR of racing podcasts. Yes, I would. I would quit the podcast if it were noticed. And this is why I think Will Power is going to win this weekend. <laughs> Do you ever have any reason for that? <laughs> All right, Blake's picks for Long Beach, Jason. You were the loser last week. That gives you the first pick in the first round. Who is your winner this weekend at Long Beach? Uh, dang it. I'm going to go with. Man, I'm really struggling right now to pick a winner. I'm going to. Can I like pass? (laughs) You would have to pick (laughs) last then. Uh, I'm going to say Dixon takes his second. Interesting pick. Close to chalk, but not really. Uh, Brings us to somehow our points leader was second worst last week. Shows us how intelligent we are. James Watson, tell us why Will Power is going to win this weekend. Because he's having a really great season. And it's been a long, I think he's only ever won Long Beach once. So Twice. I like to think that, has he won? T- oh, yep. right. If you consider the 2008. 2008. Right. Yep. Yep. I forgot about that. Uh, yeah. I, I like to think that enough things fall into place for him. To bring home the first W of the season. 
However, I'm Would less move him into than I am pretty elite company. Uh, Sebastian Bourdais has three. Paul Tracy has four. Al Unser Jr. has six. Michael Andretti has four. So not many drivers with three wins on the streets of Long Beach. Good pick. I like it. Uh, third on the list, Ben Carswell. I am Roman Grosjean. He ran up front last year. Pretty cool. Sixth last year, made in the past six. His type of track, I think he'll do well. All right. Um, uh, it's my turn to pick now since uh, Mike McCullen was our winner last weekend. Wait, is about to I pick up... the winning anchovy. Yeah, somehow I ended up with the second most points. That's impressive. Anyway, I think you have to be dumb to go anywhere else other than Scotty Mack. At this point, the guy's doing unreal things, and he's got to show me a reason that he can't do it. Which leaves us to Mr. McCullen. I'm going to go with uh, Renger Van de Zander and Sebastian Bourdais in the 01 Cadillac DPI. Oh, wait, wrong race. Uh, Polo. Interesting. What makes you say Alex Polo? He's got a shot. <laughs> Finished fourth, won the championship last year there. Oh. Okay. I think I'm, he's good. I don't know. I just got a feeling. I feel like he's gonna do okay. He's got a feeling, people. He has found Shadow Jesus. And he is feeling it. Oh, I would have picked All Jimmy right. Johnson in that case. <laughs> Back to Jason Owens. Who is our anchovy of the week? Most likely to land in the fountain. I'm going to go with Graham Rahal. We'll put his car in the fountain. So basically, he can't get the foot out of his mouth to handle the accelerator and braking. Yes. All right. Uh, James, back he's to trying you. to take it across the pond himself. Oh, hmm. <laughs> uh, think he can launch his car all the way to Suzuka. Maybe Vancouver, depending on what direction you hit the fountain at. James, who's your pick? Anchovy of the week. I'm going to say Pato because he, I know he got punted last year, but he really wasn't looking all that. And I'm not entirely sure if his aggressive driving style really works well on a track like long. So I can see him getting on it, getting on the brakes a little too hard, locking up and parking it in the fountain. Hmm. 
Uh, ben, we are to you. Um. Ooh, I'm gonna go with Connor Daly. Fresh off a fourth place finish at the Freedom 500, driving Crown Vicks around the old DeSoto Speedway. He even lost positions there. Qualified yeah. seven. He can't even win that. Didn't he now, destroy a Crown Vic? No. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. He did on Thursday. Oh, my God. Did he kill a Crown Vic? He hit yeah, so hard. I, he wrecked off a of turn two, finished the wreck in the middle of turns three and four, and tore the entire right hand side off of Crown Vic. It was awesome. Is it? Yeah, it was put it on pole for that. Lost to uh, Tanner Faust on Tanner Faust. Yes, Tanner Faust, Brian Deegan. Um, I forget who finished third. Actually, Deegan won it, but. It was a good show. Um, All right. Oh, shit. It's my turn. Um, This feels like too much of a chalk pick to say Alexander Rossi. (laughs) At this point, somebody else can steal Anchovy of the Week by having a mediocre day. Scott McLaughlin finishes mid-pack. He's probably anchovy of the week. Um, hmm. I will say Marcus Erickson. Huh. He's either so. going to go airborne and win or be absolute junk. If there was a guy who could land in the fountain and still win, it would be Marcus Erickson. Yeah, and based off of your pick so far this season for Anchovy, that's probably what he's going to do. Yeah, Long Beach winner, Marcus Erickson. (laughs) And once again, Chris Graham is last (laughs) in the Anchovy of the Week. I'm okay with that. It's not like a commentator's curse or something. It's saying, I think you're going to do shitty this week. And you out you outperformed what I expected. You had a good week. Mike, your pick. I'm thinking that the, the card that ends up in the fountain this weekend is gonna be the uh Rick Weir Racing fifty one of Ryan Eversley and Aiden Damn it, wrong race. Wrong entry list. Uh I don't know. You did Brilliant call list. Rick Weir Racing though. Yeah. There's a number fifty one of Uh, that would be Takuma yeah. Sato. Sounds like a good pick. I'll take. I was gonna go with Rosenquist, but I'll take Sato. He's always he called, good for destruction. He calls Rick Ware. That, by the way, it, it's gonna be Sato going Punterino on Erickson. Hairpin lap one. No attack, no chance. All right. With that, I think we should probably get the hell out of here. It's, uh, yeah, we're hour and 20 minutes in. Uh, good show. 
are we doing the watch along on Sunday? Um, I think we should. Maybe. I'm going to be a zombie with all the racing that's on this weekend. We will be zombies anyway. Um, the iRacing Nürburgring 24 hours is this weekend. Yeah. And suckers. Yeah. <laughs> I'll help. I'm going to help engineer you guys, but I ain't fucking racing Nurburgring. Oh, uh, well, at least we'll nope. get you somehow. Honestly, I offered yeah, my five forty to... Let's lock off. And I will engineer you to five minutes of fuel too short. Well, then you can jump in and save it. You've got a job waiting for you at Andretti Autosport. <laughs> All right, it's time to go. Show was good. Hopefully you people enjoyed it. Let us know. Shoot us a message. Tell us to get the hell off the air. We might consider it. For Ben Carswell, James Watson, Jason Owens, Mike McCullen, my name is Chris Graham. Thank you very much for hanging out with us. Tell us we're idiots. Shoot us a tweeter at the NRN TV. Uh, you can also message us on Facebook, YouTube, and all the podcasting platforms as well. Until then, we will see you all a Sunday. We think. Maybe. This is Pizza at the Pagoda, an IndyCar pod- podcast. See you later. <laughs>